1: sha la And welcome to Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org. I, of course, am the commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia NC Scout. And I'm coming to all of you live here, joined by a very special guest, a man that I am uh, deeply honored to have on. We have had uh, a most incredible conversation already this morning, and this is going to be a very Very important podcast, so folks, get a notebook, start writing down uh, all the knowledge, prepare to copy, because this is going to be a podcast to listen to over and over again, I promise you. Uh, I am joined by Colonel Mike Bennett, United States Special Forces Retired. Good morning, sir.
0: Good morning. Uh, Retired, I think, is probably the emphasis uh meaning I'm old uh, at this point
1: well you know your your contributions to the the thinking um of the intelligence community of people who are aware who are awake to foreign policy who are uh, concerned about the direction of the world with your warlock series of books i think is is really something that that uh cannot be missed um and and cannot be overlooked your you know our our conversation that we we've had before coming on air uh and and just following you on Twitter and seeing uh, you know, your your thinking of of the things that that you're putting out. You know, one of the things that um cutting to the chase here, one of the the, the things that you've continuously pointed out and, and you've developed in the warlock series of books is this this Russian alliance that's really more of a Chinese alliance with Russia. And how that has manifested into uh, influence with Iran, influence with Turkey, and many other countries in the world. And that's something that I've covered extensively, talking about the development of BRICS uh, as an economic alliance. And now we're seeing uh, the influence of of, uh, military developments that are going all along with that and how that's manifested into Ukraine. Cover for us... If you will, this this alliance that you've described, and what steps at this point you that that you envision the United States needs to take in an attempt to either circumvent it, mitigate it, or protect ourselves from it.
0: Well, um, I think uh, so, so. The the alliance that. First thing, you know, I'm defining it as as an actual, very formal alliance, and I'm I'm, I'm I am asserting in, in the series itself, the alliance is comprised the, the 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 top tier alliance is comprised of China at the very very top, but China, Russia, Iran, and Turkey, um, as a very formal alliance, and and, and you can. If you're if you're following my Twitter, I, I mean, every time I see something, um, I make a little meme or I make a, a, t- a tweet about it, and of course I associate it with a book. But um, and there seems to be an awful lot more evidence of this became becoming very public and being very seen. Yeah, you know, as an example, Erdogan of Turkey, uh, you know, since the U- Ukraine war. He's really come out from the from the from the uh, shadows uh, in trying to assert himself in this alliance as a player. And, I, and I'll take these little tidbits that I see and I'll and I'll, and I'll pump them out to make people aware. Uh, I think when I when I started writing the books, this stuff was not quite so overt, or perhaps not as obvious, or perhaps we we were just ignoring it you know just plain ignoring it from a foreign policy point of view so yeah i mean I, i'd agree you know my watchword uh, the way i look at it is i don't think we have been aggressive enough uh, we've given up opportunities and, and and we've been distracted fighting the global war on terrorism for for 20 years um so and, and there's only so many resources to go around now with that said i i personally wouldn't wouldn't have gone at the nation building into Iraq and certainly not Afghanistan. They're just not uh, societies receptive to our uh, way of doing business and, and, and the way we choose to live. Um, so I think I would have gone in there, done some direct action, and would have got the hell out. And I would have saved a lot of money doing that. Um, but that. But again, that's just me. But you know, this is where we stand now uh since we let uh, china into the, the 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 world trade order um organization yeah, and and given them the advantage of being quote a third world kind of country which clearly you know in an economic uh gdp measure they are not i mean they're kicking ass and and we're still permitting them certain certain uh, uh advantages but um you know, you know, what are we going to do? Um, we we have lost quite a bit of our economic muscle, specifically, particularly manufacturing stuff that people need. Maybe not the super, super high tech stuff, just making a refrigerator. You, You walk around your house and you look at the tag on the bottom, that says made in China. Um, so what are we going to do about it um you know the book is the books are fiction but they are based and substantiated on fact uh, when i say substantiated i mean I, I i do a ton of research and and i when i make a point you know i, I source that specific reference uh, and i'll just read i'm reading uh Baltic Chain. And you know, I say according to Business Insider, you know, a a magazine, Business Insider, in 2015, Wagner Mercenaries moved from Ukraine to Syria, blah 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 blah. So 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 I I would source specific little elements to to you know move the discussion forward in setting up a particular operation. So in the in in the Baltic chain, uh, that book is specifically about taking. Russia down a notch, and and by doing so, in the 2015, 2016, 2017 time frame, uh, of of doing unconventional guerrilla operations in the Donbas in the Ukraine, uh, Crimea, that sort of thing, or doing uh, direct action in uh, Syria uh, on the port of TARDIS, which is a which is now a Russian port. Um, that's the sort of thing that I, uh, am advocating is, is the point we are in such desperation on our foreign policy and we have been so negligent in, in, in staying on top that now we're at the point where we have to do, uh, you know, dirty tricks type stuff against our adversaries. So that's, you know, that's the fun part of, of the series, the book, the fiction. But, but I think you're right. I mean, the overall general uh, idea is that is, is, um, there is an alliance that is working against us. And uh, I don't think we recognize it as exactly that and call it out as exactly that. And, and I think that's a weakness in our foreign policy.
1: I agree 100 percent. You know, it's it's almost as if the foreign policymakers in D.C. have completely forgotten or or 100 percent dismissive of the threat that BRICS poses, which is the economic arm of exactly what you are pointing out here. And there's a couple of problems with BRICS, Uh, you know, India being part of it they're formalizing their their ties with China but China also has formal ties with Pakistan and uh we we know from the the sharing um and licensing of uh, the Beidou system which is their next generation uh satellite guidance system their their uh, their GPS counterpart mm-hmm. and uh, I that got me in a little bit of trouble um because I I actually disclosed the uh the uplink frequencies i dug them up online and and kind of promulgated them uh for the Beidou system and then i started getting all kinds of attacks from the chinese government uh electronic attacks ddos's and uh caused some problems there for a little bit but um
0: well, i'm, know, I'm hoping they they very uh they they would not like my books i i, I guarantee <laughs> you that and And as a matter of fact, when you talk about the Betty satellite system, uh I do some attacks, cyber attacks specifically on it um, that that take place starting in the fifth book, the Zhang campaign, and then they they uh, uh come back around a little bit in the in the sixth book, uh, Brina of War so th- that is that is a system that caught my interest too little Baidu thing baidu baidu so great minds think alike
1: yeah absolutely i mean this when you know the russians have had Glonass uh, for a very long time now you know it's it's uh i don't want to call it an antiquated system but it's a it's a peered system to gps mm-hmm. um you know, and and that's it has its own considerations, and that's the reason uh, that they, they put GLONASS up is to have a, a parallel uh, or to create parity um, system with with next generation guidance and and what have you. But it's very significant that the Chinese did it in such a short amount of time, and one of the uh, the, the things that they've they've aimed to do is create that capability in the Western Hemisphere as well as the eastern hemisphere. And so there are guidance uh, system, uh, uh, ground coordination centers that they have. They've got one in Argentina. Um, There are rumors that there is another one in China that is located, or uh, in Cuba rather, that is located. Uh, inside of the Lorde's Signals Intelligence uh, Center mm-hmm. that was recently reopened. And I say recently, I think it was uh, 2018, but it never formally closed. And and I did some overlays of that uh, back in 2018 and uh, had that posted up. It's very, very significant. And, and the improvements they've made to the place are very significant as well. You know, so... We, we know that China is very serious about getting their systems, their weapon systems online. They've made big moves across the world economically. and they've really made some big moves in South and Central America as well. And you know when, when we look at things from um, areas of interest and areas of influence, uh, you know, the, the two AIs, so to speak, when you are planning future operations, uh, especially from an unconventional warfare model, China is applying that to a very big scale. When they, they you know, in, in you're pointing out that this is very much an economic war and China is at, at the top of the heap, you're exactly right. Their, their main goal is to take down the United States and to do right. that through any right. means possible. and and establish their own uh, hegemonic partners. And so uh, working off of of that model, how do you interpret what's going on on the border and the disclosure by Department of Homeland Security as well as the State Department that Nicaragua is emptying their prisons, Venezuela is emptying their prisons. There's evidence that other countries are doing that as well, uh, that there are Cuban operatives that are uh, intersped with them and and they're appearing on our border. How do you interpret all that?
0: Well, in this particular case, with, with some clarity, um because this has been done before. Um we made, you know, we the United States made a deal in the 80s where Ronald Reagan essentially kind of capitulated and said, um you know, we're, we're going to make this deal with immigration. We're g- we're going to do something. And that that is exactly what happened in the 80s, you know. Cuba dumped, emptied its prisons, and you know that's who was received in Florida was all these, you know, hardened criminals from Cuban prisons. So so it's been done before. We have been taken advantage of this exact same thing before. Uh, so it's 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 it's, it, it's not necessarily they're using the old playbook, but but we just keep falling for it, you know. Um, so here we go again. Uh, and, and there's evidence uh, that the same thing is happening deja vu. Uh, and again, it's it's quite unfortunate. But, but, but you know, this um, in my books, I, I'm not necessarily critical only of Democratic administrations. Um, I, I, there are some faults. I think you and I were talking. Uh, I think it was before we started to record, but we were talking about nation-building in Iraq as an example. Um, right. I wouldn't, have, I, I wouldn't have done that. You know, I would have gone there and slayed people and left. And that's just me. You know, I'm not a nice person. Um, I don't believe Iraq or Afghanistan were the petri dish of democracy that we were kind of looking for. I understand the general idea that George Bush was trying to do. You know, place into the Middle East, this this you know lovely uh paradise of of democracy and it's it, it, on the face value it's, it's it's a noble idea but it just really wasn't the right place i think uh and and we spent a whole lot of blood and treasure in the process uh disproving it for for many years uh and we didn't pull the plug okay fine um so i i do kind of uh, when when criticism is due to anybody, I, I levy criticism upon them in heaps. Uh, <laughs> there, there's there's a lot in the books, you know. Accordingly, um, so it, it's I guess where I'm going is I don't really necessarily blame 100% the Biden administration. And again, I think this whole immigration thing does have roots back to George Bush, you know. As far as an inflection point uh, of, of you know the magnitudes that we're now, but the magnitudes that we're now seeing this year in the last, yeah, that that, that is this particular administration. Um, but we should know better. Is really the point. I think what you're saying is it, it's not that we don't have the intelligence and we don't have the the information at hand. We're we're just we're just throwing that stuff. As you're saying about nicaragua we're throwing that under under the we're brushing that under the rug because we have this other agenda to pursue and, and you know it, it's very unfortunate and the people that are going to pay for it are your children uh you know in generations to come that's really the, the unfortunate thing <laughs>
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I agree. And, you know, going back to China and, and the influence of China, a lot of people have made claims about their force projection capabilities. Some of them, uh, I think, has been quite erroneous in, in a humorous way. Um, and and I, I'm not saying that to be dismissive of the Chinese threat, not at all. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. But it's the in an effort to understand that they're, they're not necessarily uh, militarily looking to expand right. Right. through force. They're, they're not following a Western model the way that, that we think about force projection. They look at things in terms of um, hegemonic partners, uh, strategic partners, and it, it's, it's far more economical. It's a very wise uh, point of view that they have that that we don't seem to have followed uh
0: yeah. you know, so, so 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 going you know let's focus a little bit, not my books, but go to what you're saying with our southern border because it's it's very important to to us you know nicaragua uh, uh, central america places and 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 colombia you know what are the roots of of the problems down there, where do they come from? Well, they they really come in my in my mind, you know, from Russia back in the Soviet Union. That's where they started all this kind of stuff with Ortega and, and such, right? Um, since you know, you know, recently the last you know twenty, thirty years or, or so, um, China, China, you know, so you've got this confluence of China, Russia. And also Iran playing down south of our border. And those three, they're, they're on the same side for now, because when all is done, when it's all said and done, you know that who's going to be that top-tier uh, um, influence in the world, or, or even regionally, uh, they're going to fight amongst themselves. You know, I guarantee you right. Erdogan is going to say, hey, you know, this Ottoman Empire thing and, you know, this chunk of the world is mine. Right. right? So, I mean, for now, there is an alliance of convenience and it's mo- it started mostly on an economic type of basis. The expansion comes from 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 wealth. Um, and, and not only them creating their own wealth, but taking away market share from us so we are weakened So those guys are all on the same sheet um you know that on that uh uh uh, vector right and now like what you're talking about the uw side of now we're going to go a little bit more on the offensive with with people um uh, so that's a a complementary layer that now is being pursued by these enemies, um, and, and we're just not paying sufficient attention to that. Uh, we're, we're we're paying attention to pronouns. We're paying attention to the, the validity and the beauty of twerking. That's what we do. Uh, we're, we're just. We, we're, <laughs> I, 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 I hope yes. I am. Yes. Yes. I hope there's a sufficient disdain. Conveyed, we're just not serious, and we need to get fucking serious Um, because you know it's becoming too late. Again, when you look at the the money flows and and that sort of thing, we're we're losing our mojo, and and we we appear to be doing it deliberately. Um, And then we're just not uh, expecting enough of the partners that we do have and the alliances that we do have um so we would better get on it and and and, and we aren't you know it is is the assessment um so you know i've written a whole bunch of books of it has gotten to the point you know a point of desperation that we have given up so much of our mojo how do we get everything back And, 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 you know, it's not that I am a madman. It is, I believe in the United States of America. I still believe firmly that we are the best country in the world. And we generally have the best intents, intentions for everyone else. We're not this hegemony, you know, we're not trying to take over the world. We're trying to keep peace. I I I believe that. So that is the 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 basis of any of these actions that we take, because I I I do not believe the China's the Russians have the best interests of the world. They talk a really great game, Putin in particular. Um, but you know I I I'm very distrustful of these other countries. I you know, what is their actual, actual end game is something we need to be mindful of. So with that said, you know, therefore, since I think we are the the better uh, uh, partner for the world sort of thing, kumbaya, um, with that said, you know, we are in desperate measures time and and, and I take some pretty uh, drastic actions Covertly, unattributively, in these books. Uh, so you know, to, to to go with what you were saying about China doing strategic UW. Uh, you know, we could we could do it too. We just don't have the balls to. And that's the point of this character, the Warlock. He goes out and does stuff. He gets it done. He, he he's not a politician. He he has no. Political connection whatsoever. His connection is to the Constitution and only, solely to the, the you know the the, the greatness of the United States. You know, so, so he does some pretty shady type things, but in the, but in the long, long, long run, his objectives are for the better. Amen. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know
1: it 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 is good to have somebody that's standing up for american interests you know and and to all of your points you know it it seems to me that there are not too many people in dc at least outwardly who are even looking at american interests whatsoever i mean we have another 12 billion Dollar aid package that's going to be going to ukraine i mean d- did they burn through all the money that, that we just sent them a, a month ago uh and and now yeah. all of a sudden we need to send them more <laughs> money i mean this is it it it's it's getting to the point of of ridiculousness uh um, well
0: again you know have we done this before and, and i guess uh, we have many times uh allied ourselves for convenience at a particular point in time uh, and sometimes it's necessary sometimes you've got to think a little bit longer term and we don't do that well because you know we've got this four every four years an election sort of thing so we have a disadvantage and and our enemies know that you know they they know that you know sometimes it's just a matter of waiting out an administration right so um uh Know what was I going to say <sighs> that's what that's what happens man I <laughs> <leave the ball. laughs>
1: just waiting essentially just waiting out until the the you know for for the fair wins when when a favorable administration comes into office maybe one that uh the the president's wow. son is deeply compromised by your own intelligence wow. agencies and they have uh you know mountains of data of him smoking crack and hanging out with prostitutes and and whatever else
0: see see uh, see so so if i take that example and and, and i am uh, i'm a sinner like anyone else right um but Uh, if I look back at my military career, I, I, I I kept myself, uh, a certain way because I believe that was my duty as an officer and and leadership by, by example, meant something to me. And because I know it meant something to the enlisted folks, that means a lot, right? If you see an officer doing some shit, you know, he shouldn't be doing, uh, you're not going to follow that guy. So going into the, right. the Hunter, Hunter Biden thing. So, so I, have, I have a certain standard, you know, um, uh, as many folks do. And that's yep. the unfortunate part of this whole thing is many, many Americans observe this and they're like, hey, man, this ain't right. You know, and the justice system needs to do you know, X and stay in its lane and do its job. That's the sort of thing that we, we're getting in trouble because um, uh, the rest of the world is watching us. You know, everyone is watching us. They're looking for weakness. They're, they're looking to take advantage of the weakness. Um, but everyone does have some faith still in the United States of America. Um, and they look to us to lead. So you're, you're talking about, um, you know, some of the, you know, we we get sidetracked you know, on the political kind of element. And you know, that's what the Brian of War is kind of about the last book. And the point I'm making there is, I, I really personally I, I am an engineer. I have no problem at all with the concept of uh, getting rid of um, fossil fuels, uh, because, yes, they do pollute, you know, just boom. Now, how we go about doing that? Would take a very structured project plan uh, and time. How do we wean ourselves off of combustible engines? Um, is going to take a very long time. Uh, not this compressed idea of hey, we're going to get this done, you know, and we're going to we're going to regulate this, we're going to do all this stuff. And i mean, by 2035 in California, there's going to be no no uh, fossil fuel engines, blah. blah. We have a very uh, poor grasp on what it's going to take to substitute 800 bajillion BTU of energy that's produced and consumed by the American consumer, you know, and we're going to replace that with solar battery, yada yada yada. Um, so we get a little bit distracted and, and following an agenda that, that that just is out of is not synchronized with reality, so I, I get into that in the book. I, I, I just, I just, you know, I lay that out there, and and what, and the point really there is, uh, we are doing all this stuff, all this regulation. We're going to make everyone get an electric vehicle. We're going to do this. Okay, fine. So let's get down to the very, very, very basics of electricity being used. Just, you know, focusing just on transportation, just the transportation segment. We're going to get rid of all these cars that go on gas. We're going to have, electric. okay, fine. Well, how do you, you know, what do you need to do that? Well, you need batteries, right? Uh, And right now, currently, it's basically lithium. Okay, fine. Um, Who controls like anywhere between 75, 80, 85% of all lithium manufacturing in the world? I'm asking. That, you're still there? Yeah, yeah. No, my, my, uh, the, the mute button
1: was <laughs> stuck. But no, it China. Yeah. it's right.
0: China. It's right. China. Uh, so we are basing a national strategy of trillions and trillions of dollars while we're $30 trillion in debt. We are, we are basing the strategy on being dependent on our enemy and providing us the, the raw material that's required for the whole strategy to work, lithium to make batteries so that, that's 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 where brine of war comes from brine being you know lithium particles being suspended in a liquid that's one of the three means to uh extract the lithium resource out of the earth to make the batteries yada 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 yada. so that's where brine of war comes from um. So all I'm saying is, you know, we are way out of sequence. We're 15, 20 years behind China. We're regulating the shit out of American abilities to pr- produce our own lithium. We do lithium. One of, the, the, one of the, the major themes in all the books, it starts from book one, goes all the way through, is, again, the dominance of China in rare earths. Uh, development you know, and the, you know lithium technically speaking is not a rare earth it's not rare at all it's every fucking aware you just have to get it and and go through all the processes to get it from point a to point b and now there it is put it in the back of your, your energizer bunny and there you go you've got a battery um we have these resources internal to the united states of america that we have shackled with regulation anyway so i I get into all that kind of stuff most of my books one of the things i do is like the first third of the book is all this kind of setup so you're going to get hammered with all this sourcing you know of of you know all the stuff about lithium and cobalt and where it is and you know how it's being developed like there's charts you know there's fucking you know quotations from this scientific man you know so I, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I I, I kind of kill people with all this science and, and data and whatnot. But I, I set the stage. It's important. Of, this is a real thing. I'm not making this right. up. So so that's just kind of the basis of okay, what are we doing? Well, we're pursuing a strategy to reduce China's dominance of lithium. And that's 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 the action part, where I blow shit up you know, you know, gouge people's eyes out, you know, slit throats. All that kind of stuff will follow. You'll get there. You'll get your adrenaline fix of cool guy shit after you get kind of through the, the basis of what is this about? What is the strategic basis of the plot line? And why is the warlock going to do something really nasty um, you know, so that, I mean, that's kind of I do that in all the books. Um, you can skip over that stuff, I guess. I, I I think it's generally, you know, it it's one. I think it's well presented, but it it is interesting just to kind of know. Hey, this is this is real. This right. this guy Bennett is not just making crap up. I'm not talking right. werewolves. I'm not talking, uh, you know, supernatural stuff. This it, is very real, I and mean, it, it this means. This will mean something to you, Uh, you know, as a consumer, as a father, as a mother, as a grandfather. This this means something, so that you know, that's something I just do. But uh, I love it. You know, we got to pay attention. I go ahead, sir. No, no, no. You said
1: I I was going to say having that real world element. You know, it, it, uh, I was only going to add to that, that uh, a friend of mine many years ago, who's an English professor, uh, we were having a conversation about, uh, ironically, we we were talking about spy fiction um, mm-hmm. and comparing and contrasting a, a, a few authors uh, that, that we both in, enjoy a lot. Uh, John Lecaire, uh Frederick Forsyth, and Robert mm-hmm. Ludlum. And one of the the points that was being made during the discussion was, one, you you can't necessarily have violence for violence's sake. And that's a point that that you made uh, incredibly well. But the other is that, that we say things in fiction that we can't necessarily convey any other way through nonfiction. And that's exactly what you've done here uh you you've condensed the the solutions the necessary solutions for bringing the United States foreign policy back around right bringing the ship back in you know not not the, the right before we're you know we're torn asunder and and we're not going to flounder on the beach you know we, this is what needs to happen this is the necessary things that need to happen and and you know you you've written it all out in in a very uh wonderful in a very concise way.
0: Well, you know, I've had some folks who are like, okay, when are you going to turn the warlock loose on domestic stuff? And <laughs> uh, you know, this this first set of of books, you know, of six, is to uh, you know solve the problem of this alliance. Uh, but you know, six books. To me is is you know okay fine, let's not jump the shark. Uh, let's let's call it a day after six. That's that's more than enough. Right. Um, so there might be another series on a different target set, uh, and, and that target set uh, is is kind of looking like you know the South America kind of thing. You know, and and, and as, as I was saying that uh, you know. China, you're still intertwined with who is the sponsor of this chaos? China, um, uh, Russia, Iran. Uh, so you kind of go back to you know, to square one. I, you know, I have to figure out how to do that, I guess. But um, either way, I mean, they're 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 fiction. They're they're fun. Intended to be fun, but at the same time, um, it's not my vanity. But it's the sort of thing where you you would want policymakers to be paying attention to these sort of things and and seeing seeing what I'm suggesting at least as a course of action, uh, something to think about. Uh, and and again, the the big big push is um, what on earth? what the hell are we going to do to to dig ourselves out of the rut that we're in? Um, and if we don't uh, you know I would say uh, um, to the American people, uh, hey, you know this is this is a referendum that's that's on the table the next time we go around for a vote. Are we going to, we, the United States, are we going to concede our position in the world? It's a referendum. You tell me, American public, what do you want to do? You want to be a bunch of slackers. You want to be in the second, third tier. And you want to be, you know, uh, second, third, fourth place. Okay, fine. You know, the will of the people will will go, go forward and I will conduct business accordingly. If you put that, you know, much more eloquently, better stated, into a referendum, even the most docile uh, people that look, and inhabit this country would say, "No, that's unacceptable." You know, we are the United States of America, and this is what where we need to be. I I don't want I don't want to concede our, our position. The very interesting thing. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm, uh, uh, naive, you know, uh, but that's just me.
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so at all. It, and, and I think part of the, part of the big problem we have in the United States. And, uh, this was for a little bit of context. This was told to me, I was a brand new Joe was going through infantry school and, um, you know, you, 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 you know, you, you, have got your drill sergeants there. And I think it was towards the end of the class. I think we had just come out of our last field problem or something, something like that. It was a long time ago, but, um, our, uh, our senior drill sergeant told us that, you know, you're, you're going to go to your unit. You're, you're going to go back home on, on, uh, leave right after this. And you're going to realize you're a little bit different. You're going to go to your units and you're going to deploy it. And you're going to go to Iraq or Afghanistan. And when mm-hmm. you come back home after that, if you make it back home, mm-hmm. you're going to go home and you're going to realize you're completely different. And it's one of those things that just kind of goes in one year and out the other. And then you go overseas, you experience that culture shock and how different that makes you. I mean, I remember the very first time I saw real poverty, uh, real poverty in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, going to Kuwait, the whole pre-deployment thing, it's like, you know, whatever, this is this is whatever, but seeing real poverty, you know. And, and then coming back to the United States after those experiences and, uh, you know, real ethnic hatred between people, you know, mm-hmm. not this phony, you know, oh, you offend me or, you know, you called me a bad name, whatever, no. No, um, you know, seeing a, a dead child, pieces of a dead child on the side of the road. And, and, uh, you know, she is picking up the largest piece, putting it in a blanket and throwing it in the back of a truck. You know, this was a child, but because it was a Sunni child, they didn't care. And they're just laughing and joking about it. It's a dead child. This is something that scarred me very deeply. Um, you know, and, and, and people can't understand that. And so, to your point about people voting on a, on a mass referendum, they don't understand, a, a lot of people in the United States, I guess my, my central point there is, is that the people of the United States have had it way too good for way too long. And they don't understand that our place in the world, the the, uh, the good life that we enjoy you know what are detractors in the world? What the the Maoists of China? What uh, uh, Dugan would have called uh, the the bourgeois existence uh, of the West, which he you know he he did label as such. Uh, I forget which of his books that I, I've I've read because I've read three of them, but he, uh, but he he labeled that the, the decadence of the West that is created by bourgeois existence, and so. Uh, we we've had it that good, and that's what's created this. And so, you know, the, this this idea of a referendum, it's because people don't have uh, a frame of reference on how bad it could get, and that's why you have people on social media saying, "Yeah, you know," it, and they're all from the left that are saying, "Yeah, yeah, I want a civil war." You know, we're we're doing these things. We we talk about the the things that that we talk about out of love of country. And the other side, it seems like they're doing this out of spite of country, mm-hmm. out of out of hatred of country, you know. And there are liberals out there that have noble intent, you know. When when they say that, that we're seeking equality, we're seeking, uh, you know, a, a higher level of human existence, uh, workers' rights, and and, and 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 what have you. Sure, you know, I, I find no fault with that. But when we're doing that at the expense of our uh, of of, of our standard of life here in the United States, um, you know that that's unacceptable. And you know, to your point about uh, you know losing our, our status in the world, which we rapidly are, it's going to end very badly. Uh, and, and this is something that I think a, a good number of people in the world, uh, or, or in the United States rather, they mm-hmm. have not experienced what others in the world have had to deal with on, on a you know which constitutes daily life and they're going to have to do that in yeah. the near future and that's yeah. going to be a very sharp adjustment and we're already seeing that we're seeing I yeah. mean the video that came out of Philadelphia of of the looting of uh, the the gas station up there in, in Philly which you know the, the street takeovers that we see um, th- this is this is all symptoms of the these problems that are coming to fruition. And, you know, it's again, you know, we're seeing that. And I think that that a referendum, the, the American people are certainly asking for Greater stability here domestically, and and that's intertwined with our foreign policy as well. And yeah. so, you know, setting aside the the questions of election validity and everything else that that you know we obviously have now, if we're able to to do that, if we're able to through peaceful means say, you know, hey, we're we're gonna vote to stop this stuff because this is madness, this is chaos. Yeah, I think you're exactly right that the American people would do it 100% of the time.
0: Well, you know, I've heard the rumblings, I've heard what we talk about on the the, the council. Um, I am absolutely not any kind of advocate for, uh, you know, the Civil War type measures, but I do recognize that um, we're becoming fundamentally. Bipolar in the way we view things, you know, the left versus right. There is so little common ground in the way they uh, perceive. Just say something. Say education. You you would think education of a child uh, would not be something of great controversy. You would think, you know, you know, what do we, what do we want this? We 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 want to prepare, but and develop a child so that they can. Live their own life on the, at on their own terms, whatever that is. Um, you can go manufacture light bulbs, you can be a software. I I don't care, but there are fundamental things in, in the development of a child that should be addressed through our school system, or 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 don't fine. Everyone can do homeschooling, but I think there is an advantage of the collective school system, you go to public school, you socialize, yada, yada. There's all kinds of benefits to understanding and learning social cues, you know, to be able to to interact with people like you're not a, a weirdo. Right. So, so we, we'd like to have a school system that can produce young men and young women that are going to end up being prosperous to the, to the, as much as their ability will will let them uh, pursue, um, you would think that wouldn't be controversial. You would think, I mean, Jesus Christ, man, we're, we're talking about, you know, math. Math is math is racist. No, Jesus, yeah. you know, math is math. So we we start going down these just weird, absolutely weird tracks that drive me bananas. Um, you know, I, I think just some just fundamental education, that's what it is. And take indoctrination completely out of that. Uh, let's keep that somewhat pure. Uh, not one side, not the other side. Facts are what they are. You know, the Civil War, the Civil War occurred. It, it, it happened. You know, OK, let's examine the why and you might get some variation there. Let's examine what does that mean to us today? You know, whatever. Um, and, 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 you know, the, these things happen, the, the, you just report it. Imagine being a D NCO and you're out there snooping and pooping, doing your thing. And you're observing, you know, the enemy that you're, you're that's what you're out there for. You're outside the wire and you're observing whatever activity for a purpose. And you report back to the commander, uh, uh, you know, that's going to consume this information, and you report false reports. We'll say, you know, that's not really what I want him to see. I, I think you right. know, what I saw was blah, 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 blah. No. You report exactly what you see. Uh, and if you have, uh, you know, something to 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 offer as, as, an, as somewhat of an analysis. Well, I think they were doing X. I think they were putting in an IED on the roadside because I mean, you, you didn't go down there and ask them, hey, man, is that a fucking IED you're putting in, you know, EFP? Um, <laughs> right? So, you know, yeah. you report the facts as they are, uh, period. Um, and, and that's really kind of the way our education system Should flow Uh, again. Maybe maybe I'm just naive. I just don't know much of anything. I don't see the education system as an opportunity to indoctrinate uh, young minds uh, in in, in any way. It's it's an opportunity to get them to the point where they can advance within their capabilities, uh, and then and then be on their own self, you know, and contribute, you know, to to the larger society. Anyway, I, we got more problems, uh, more fun, and, and every year it seems they just become these more and more and more fundamental. And and we're not, you know, we're not we're not uh, uh, knocking these things down. We're failing. And when I say we, I mean my generation, your generation. You know, we're failing. You know, these subsequent young younger generations by. Pursuing things that uh, uh, now is not the time and place to pursue whatever. Uh, we have to focus our resources on XYZ. Uh, and Like I said, you know, Brian war is it, it, the basis is this whole lithium manufacturing dominance by China. But if we are going to uh, set Sally forth with some great strategy of saving the world from from the carbonization of yada yada yada. um and we're going to do do so by getting rid of internal combustion engines and all carbon you know blah 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 okay so let's start at the fucking beginning let's start at the very very beginning and and comprehensively go from all the way from the beginning to the end and everything in between what are we going to do in in the in that particular case is, you know, the, to make a battery from which to store solar power, you you can't run an engine on a live solar panel. You have to store that energy at nighttime, right? So okay, so we got to have you know how do we store the energy? Well, these things called battery. Okay, so if we got a battery, what makes a battery and 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 that's going to change you know right now it's lithium uh who knows what's going to happen as far as uh you know some kind of technological breakthrough with data, you know fusion whatever but i mean as 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 we can as we right today can anticipate you know for the next 20 30 years or whatever right now this is how we make batteries you know blah. i have and I'm pretty explicit in the book where I, where I, I got nothing against this, you know and I, and I, and I say, me I, you know, through the Warlock or through Coco, or another character, you know they, they, they they're just doing their homework, they're looking into this, stuff, blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. I just want to understand the problem set, and within those constraints, what am I going to do on an action basis? What are my target opportunities based on this broad target set? You know, it's just it's just you know the analysis part. Um. Yeah, but but, but I guess like any any citizen, you know, I'm kind of concerned with the the direction we're taking. Uh, and 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 that's why I'm writing. You know, I I guess. Uh, I've always wanted to write fiction books. Uh, but now I kind of have a a reason to. Right, right.
1: It's, uh, and, and I think that, you know, through, through fiction, we're able to share those experiences and, and your professional experience certainly is, is, uh, what, what you're able to convey is critically important. Um, and, and it, it's my hope that, uh, just as with, uh, Tom Clancy, uh, in his era, uh, that, that at least somebody who is a foreign policymaker, maker is paying attention because, you know, if, if you're going to have a path forward, this is one that you're going to have to take. Um, I have another topic that is very closely related that I haven't heard anybody break down, whether it's the alternative media or, um, you know, the, the conventional media, they've kind of turned a blind eye to this. And this is something that uh, in your very unique worldview that I think you're, you know, the the world really needs to hear, especially this audience needs to hear, and that's dealing with ISKP. Uh, now I've followed ISKP very closely, uh, the Islamic State of Khorasan and Pakistan, and uh, there's there's only a couple of guys that I'm really aware of on any of the media platforms that are following this at all. And so Mm -hmm. there's a couple of really good accounts uh, on Twitter that are um, following the the open source stuff, the developments that, uh, you know, this organization is putting out. And, you know, those those are on Twitter. It's open source. It's very, very fascinating to see this develop, because as we pulled out of Afghanistan and a, a power vacuum was created, the Taliban, you know, was the heir apparent. Uh, to the the government of of Ghazni, and um, you know, as Ashraf Ghazni had had fled the country, now the Taliban took complete control, and this ISKP organization comes about. So ISIS um, or ISIL, uh, the the Levantine um, organization that was you know took took hold in Iraq and and was very dramatic. That's what everybody remembers. Now, all of a sudden, we have their counterpart in Afghanistan that is uh, really beginning to manifest, and that's leaving Afghanistan in in kind of an interesting position because when we pulled out, China was uh, already seeking mineral rights and partnerships with the Taliban. Russia was as well. And, uh, you know, very interestingly, uh, the developments that were coming out of there and me being Afghanistan vet and, and, you know, understanding a lot of the the social dynamics there, um, you know, I followed all this very closely. Mm. What's very interesting now when you factor in that Western China, Xinjiang province, which is uh, a a Muslim uh, Mm. sub-region culturally. Uh, And China has really sought to repress them very severely, and there's almost no media that's coming out of that region, so we don't even have an accurate picture as to what's going on. The ISKP propaganda that was directed towards China is kind of telegraphing the intent that there may be some uh, early rumblings of a destabilization effort going on in Western China. And, and the fomentation of an insurgency and the growing of ISKP in Western China, because we already see it in um, uh, Afghanistan. We see it in the Northwest Frontier province of Pakistan. And so uh, the, uh, Turkmenistan has, has got some issues and some rumblings going on as well. What's your take on this? And let's say, let's go back to an unconventional warfare model. You are now the warlock. How would, how would you exploit this, and what would be your moves?
0: Okay, I don't know if you've read any of the books, but let's, you know, um, a couple things. One, say Afghanistan. You know, the whole uh, mineral uh, manufacturing or, or extraction out of Afghanistan, rare earths. Okay, so... I introduced that in, in the third book, Baltic Chain. There's a lot of intertwined things that go on across these books, and you got to be paying attention when you're reading them, because if I mention something in book three, I'm just not mentioning it. You're going to see it somewhere, right? You're gonna, it's going to come up in something. But um, And I take, I take some umbrage, I think, personally, having been in Afghanistan, and, and then when we left, the money and treasure that you know blood treasure we put into that country to right. uh, say you know what do we get out of it? Well we've got nothing, but for some reason, China is getting all the lithium and 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 mineral rare earth minerals of course they're right next door. we have a huge disadvantage there they're there we're not so i I, I do cover that little uh, a little bit and it plays into the 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 plot. Talking about the Uyghurs and that western part of China. So go from book three to book four. Book four is the boomslang gambit. And boom slang is all about taking China down a notch by attacking the Belt and Road Initiative, you know, literally attacking rails and ports that relate to the maritime piece of BRI or the land piece that goes through, you know, to Zerkeshan and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And how would I exploit it, you ask? Well, you know, there is this Uyghur, uh, Muslim part of China that is massively repressed by China. So obviously, they're going to have some strong feelings about, you know, their, their uh, overlords, if you will so there there's there's, right. there, there's certainly ripe for opportunity, so one of the things I do again tradecraft or whatever uh doctrine perhaps you know humant you know human uh recruiting a source is usually a very long 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 thing if you take a look at what happened in Los Alamos uh Uh, nuclear stuff and China's uh, recruited a whole bunch of engineers and scientists out of our nuclear arsenal and and now they're making stuff. That has been years and years and years and years in the making. That's not a Joe Biden fault. It's not his fault. It came to fruition during his tenure as president. But this started way, way, way back when. That's the nature of human. It takes time. One of the you know, the broader lessons in the books is, you know, if you don't know about this stuff and you're reading, you're like, oh, why is this fucking guy taking so long in developing this? Because it takes long to, to develop a technical exploit of whatever uh, and get uh, a source to take that fob and stick it in the right computer at the right place and, and, and put that uh, cyber exploit. These things take a, a, a ton of time. So going to your question on, on you know how would I exploit that? But that's that is exactly when I say my books are about unconventional warfare. That's what I mean. Um, so in the boom slang thing, there's you know a CIA guy, who's a case officer, uh, and he is teamed with uh, an SF guy because they're both uh chinese linguists right um so they're both inserted into china years and years ago and they've been living there and doing their thing as a human guy guys to people um and and, and, you know so, so we make headway into the uyghur resistance so he's recruiting direct direct action elements of. You know, Uyghurs. Well, why? Because the Uyghurs hate Chinese. Well, why? Because of exactly what you're saying. This this unrest is 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 there for a reason, because they're repressed uh, greatly by by CCP. So there's there's one example. So you get Boom slang, and that's kind of about China. When you get to the fifth book that precedes it, Zengizhar, uh campaign there's elements of armenia and azerbaijan that i recruit you know same kind of thing long-term yada yada whatever and and say the azeri for example that that is also working in in conjunction with mossad of of israel um and their target set rather than the east-west bri rails that connect china to the markets in in europe uh, that target set is more on the north south uh, rail system that goes from chabahar uh, port you know in in the very southern southern part of iran and it goes all the way up to to uh moscow and it also intersects with bri rails so Again, that's the, I'm going after strategic targets of economic value. Uh, and I'm going after them through recruitment of elements in the region that have, um, friction, uh, that relate to the region. So the Armenian thing with, with, you know, Naga, Naga Bahor, or however you pronounce it, you know, there are just, uh, strife. In the caucuses that uh, are ancient, you know, that hundreds, at least maybe thousands of years old. Right. So there, there's 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 a lot of enmity there and conflict that you can take advantage very callously. I, I understand I'm being very callous of saying this, um, but that is human. If, if if people don't know that that that's the fucking way it is. Yep. Um. So, so, you know, the ISKP, you know, the Uyghur stuff, you know, all this stuff in the Caucasus with Armenians, Azerbaijan, yada, yada, yada. Um, there's always these, and I, I see them as opportunities. Uh, and it, it really the big example that goes across several books is say the Kurds uh, that want to have a Kurdistan, you know, and that goes across Turkey it goes across Syria. It goes across Iran. It goes across uh, Iraq. Um, so there is a huge partnership. You know, one of the in one character in particular called Mojo uh, that goes over the course of almost all the books. You know, it's a very long partnership with the Kurds. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite familiar with you know the human aspect of, of unconventional warfare and recruiting some kind of, um, uh, regional partner to achieve American U.S. uh, objectives.
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. And that, that was, uh, my way of, of pulling in exactly why people need, need to be paying very careful attention to your book. Uh, to your book series, because that, that's, that's exactly the model that needs to be followed. That's what the Russians and Chinese are doing.
0: In my view, let's say Kurd, the Kurdistan thing, the Kurds, what I um, allude to uh, is, a, is a huge change in U.S. policy in establishing Kurdistan um and, and that's not our position you know we have uh, once again left right. them twisted you know left them in the wind twisting but right I think uh everything I've read uh, or experienced they are much more um yes they're Muslim yes you know all that kind of stuff but they are much more on our sheet of music uh as as a culture than Say Afghanistan, than say Iraq, right? Uh, so oh, they yes. really they they are much more in our in phase with our idea of democracy. Yeah, um,
1: I can personally so. attest to that. I mean, my my first deployment to Iraq, I was uh, I, I was in Kirkuk, and you know yep. you didn't have to worry about getting your head sawed off if you were on a mission and, you know, where we were remaining overnight with, with our Kurdish partners, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you, didn't have to sleep with one eye open around them. Right. Right. Uh, you know, the, and, and they were fairly competent, uh, militarily at the small unit level, they were fairly competent. They were very serious about what they were doing. Uh, the arrest of the Iraqis, uh, I can't, can't really share a positive I, opinion i, I don't think
0: i don't think you're alone in in <laughs> oh man in that feeling um mm. so yeah i mean it, it, you know there's in in my books there's a lot of sigint which is, i think you would like that piece of it 100 um, um so there's a lot of that you know there's a lot of intercept type stuff um in, in, in many cases, intercept that is is uh, uh, enabled through some kind of human action, through a recruitment of a, a particular asset that that can emplace a sensor, that sort of thing. Um, it's probably 50-50. Now, I, when you look across all six books, when I really think about it, you know, 50% of it is kind of this, this kind of sigint e kind of thing. And then the other 50 percent is the UW uh, thing that is that is very um, that's very heavy on the on the human, you know, case officer type stuff. And um, so you, you've got that blend. So it's a little different than most, you know, most spy books are you know, it's Joe the stud. He goes out and he kills. There's some killing stuff. You know, don't get me wrong. There's there's the action sequence type thing. Um, but you know, the, the broader thing is the, the big, 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 big picture strategy, you know, who is the enemy and why, uh, you know, why are we at the point where we're at of desperation to do this really nasty stuff? I, you know, I won't, I won't reveal, I guess, but by the time you get to the sixth book and you see the shit that I've done, um, yeah, it's war crime type stuff. I mean, it's nasty. It's absolutely nasty. Uh, so the people who want to get into the moral plane of of uh, looking at through that lens that there's there's plenty there for you. Uh, you know that there's that uh, moral quandary kind of element. Um, so they're kind of interesting. But uh, so there, there's there's a lot of technical aspect to it that that appeals to, to, to some readers, I think. A
1: hundred percent. A hundred percent. This is uh, again. I I hope that that somebody who is a policymaker out there is listening, is learning, and is gonna be reading, because you know it, it, it's what it takes. You know, we we it, I, I'm reminded of of Apocalypse Now uh where you know you you see this really nasty stuff and and there's there's war crimes kind of you know th- that are occurring and um and, and getting into the ethical moral questions of warfare because you have to have the right mindset and you have to understand yeah. that if you 're in a war your 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 objective is to win you know right. you, you win now we can have that question of at what cost later right there's there's a lot that goes into that but your objective first is to win
0: and i i I, I do not you know all that is implied that's up to you the reader can kind of whatever whatever road they want to go down you know my guy he is focused on the objective that you set for And, and yeah that is winning there's no room for anything else and 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 part of part of the uh the equation is if you want this sort of thing done, uh, don't hinder me. Don't give me rules of engagement that are all fucked up. You know what I mean. As a vet, you know exactly what I mean. Yep. So, so that stuff is kind of dispensed with. It. I mean, there's one character named Dogma. He's a little bit of a. He's a piece of work. Um, but you know, to, uh, to get these things done, he gets it done. Let me tell you, <laughs> you gotta um, have those guys, yeah, you know, that, it,
1: it's, it's yeah. mandatory. You, you have to have those characters. You have to have those guys that, you know, it, it, it's, this is certainly going to resonate, um uh, with, with, with yourself and a lot of people out there, but there, there's such a thing as, as a soldier that you want deployed. And you do not want in garrison because
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know. So 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 you 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 were talking about you're being you know infantry in the, in the very beginning that sort of thing, as was I, and then I went to OCS and then I I, uh, um, I was commissioned. Uh, long story, but as an infantry officer, and my first assignment was a mech unit, and I had a uh, young man named PFC Allen Hood. So when I got there he was PFC. <laughs> uh, I was in the same company for 3 years and he was he never got above PFC. <laughs> but but he was without a doubt uh, you know this is 40 something years later I still remember his name. He was my favorite I, I didn't show favoritism to him but I love that fucking guy. He was the spirit of the infantry all contained in one body he was an absolute <laughs> wild man and you know this is peacetime so this is peacetime army but even still you went to the field that guy would crush everything he did everything i mean he was everything well he did just fantastic he wasn't really like a pt stud right but but he was not a quitter in any anyone he just just applied himself in the field And always got stuff done. You could always count on him doing whatever it was. Um, But you brought that motherfucker back to scarcity. (laughs) 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 Oh my God! You know he was always Uh, getting in trouble. He was a guy that was that was you know uh, uh, letting chicks in through the windows in the barracks and banging them at night. Yes. You You know you know the you know what I mean. So, so he got. I was in Delta Company, and and you know, for whatever reason, there was there was kind of a rivalry between Delta and Bravo Company. So he got in a fight in the barracks uh, one night with some Bravo Company kid. Yada yada yada. So next thing you know, the company commander, who who was just the limpest dick I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he, he brings him up on UCMJ and of course we go through the thing and he gets me in there, you know, we're doing the UCMJ thing. And he basically is saying, okay, Lieutenant, well, you know, well, tell me, I said, sir, I, I'm not really seeing the problem. You know, and he fucking looks at me and the first sergeant is kind of like he, the first sergeant, like the company commander. And he's kind of in the background. He's doing <laughs> his job because he's the first sergeant. he's got to, right? Right, but you you know he's thinking, what the fuck? Anyway, so we're doing this UCMJ thing, and I basically said, sir, you're telling me you want to reduce this kid in rank, company grade UCMJ, bust him down to private, because as an infantryman, he got in a fight. (laughs) So what? I mean, and I said that. And, oh, my God, I was, I, was a sh- I was, you know, as an officer, as a sh- I, I was a shipper for, like, the next six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, mm-hmm. I mean, give me a break, man. You got in yes. a fight. So, what, were there knives involved? Did they shoot each other in the face? You know, any, you know, pipes? No. They got in a fist fight. And it, the fight <sighs> basically was about, hey, Delta Company's better than Bravo Company. no. Robert company's better than Delta company. No, my dad's bigger than your dad. You know. Whatever. <laughs> so, so. This conjure's
1: uh, memories.
0: This conjure's you memories. Know, let me give memories. You a break, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Kind of miss that shit. You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's always that one guy. You know. But you. I, I don't know. I, I had several of those. I, I had several of those types that uh, just, you know, get. Uh, but again, those guys that you want, but it, you always run into them. You run into them in every, every unit, sure. every level, that guy that is, you know, he don't, don't ever ask his morals on stuff, but that's the guy that's going to get things done. That's the kind of warrior that you want. That yeah. that's a guy that you can count on, you know, if if things have gotta get nasty, that's yeah. the guy that you want. And um
0: so, so um uh you know, again, a non-wartime, non wartime situation um in Haiti. So it was, you know, peacekeeping stuff. I heard about this. He was wasn't one of my guys, but we we're in this, you know, warehouse facility, whatever. Around the warehouse is a fence. And Joe is on guard duty. I don't remember the kid. It wasn't one of my guys. But Joe's on guard duty one night. And apparently, you know, midnight, two o'clock, whatever. Um, maybe he met this gal, a Haitian, you know, citizen. Sometime, whatever. Maybe she approached him right then at guard duty through the fence. Either way. Short story is she offered to give him a blowjob <laughs> through the fence. So, you know, picture some guy sticking mm. his dick through a fence. <laughs> 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 and he gets caught, right? You know, this is all for like a bag of MREs, literally. Man. In, in exchange for a bag of MREs or, you know, or for an MRE. And they bring this kid up for UCMJ. And I just remember that I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding me, man. Don't we have better things to fucking do? <laughs> uh, you know, come on, uh, give me a break. Stop.
1: Yeah, that's but uh you know, I mean, hey, that's that's some of that desperation too. I mean, that, that's another example of uh that culture shock that you know, hey, people people will do desperate things when when the the situation the scenario is is that bad um mm. you know and and that's that's an example of it as well I mean, I'm sure she wasn't she wasn't coming down to the camp because you know she was just enamored with this this stud you know she she's down there because she's gonna get those m r e s you know so that that her kids can eat um, yeah. you know I, I
0: just i just i just didn't see the you know it being worthy of ucmj you know uh, right. again again this is peacetime stuff and things get you know you were doing powerpoint slides there you know <laughs> it, it, you know, it yeah, was not yeah. real you know it was just nonsense uh, right. but um yeah you know like, i'm sure we could both go on and on about you know, oh, stories like that forever because um yeah. that's just the way it is <laughs>
1: yeah the, the the powerpoint army um although that didn't change with the, with the g watt that certainly didn't change um it only got worse and you know as we well, were talking were, about i
0: think there were a couple years where it did kind of certainly take back seat right yeah it, it, it for a little while it it, it it did um uh it was reduced um depending on where you were too i think
1: yeah, it, it. Oh, I don't. I do not miss it. You know, we we were talking about that before we came on air, and and uh, the whole the whole PowerPoint thing is, is just, yeah. You know, it, it's you know the the. That's why I, I don't do it as a rule. Uh, so everybody that's been to class with me knows I do everything on a whiteboard when I'm giving the instruction because you got to. I mean, it, it's. It's a demonstration that you know the the guy teaching the class actually knows what he's talking about when he can write it all up on a whiteboard unprompted. You know he he has that skill mastery rather than just you know reading off PowerPoint slides. But uh, now,
0: now when you have a class, you, you're you let these you said something about a note a handbook a notebook, but you let them take correct. notes, right?
1: Right. Right, yeah, in in the RTO course, so the uh, radio telephone operators course, I have a handbook that I wrote that I issue out to the students, um, and uh, it, it's essentially a Cliff's Notes for for the course. It's a quick uh reference book that they can take with them and and uh use and there's i've got uh frequency tables in there i've got antenna designs and uh an a quick antenna calculator and also i've got a lot on encryption in there as well uh the the, how to do physical encryption uh rather than you know we we it's it's really yeah, a whole you know, one other
0: time pad kind of thing or
1: one time pad and trigrams uh working with trigrams because that's when when you're you're physically encrypting a, a message, um, you can send it via any means at that mm-hmm. point uh, rather than... Uh, relying on electronic encryption alone, so say like, uh, you know, with the SKL or ANCD, uh, you know, which predated the SKL and, and um, you know, people talking about AES standards and, and everything else. I mean, those are all forms of electronic encryption. And um, you know there there are points of exploitation there that that you can uh, utilize with that, and it's I mean nation states China going back to China and Russia they they've developed electronic warfare uh, systems that are specifically targeting that you know and as we know now uh, coming out of the war in Ukraine Russia has their hands on uh, at least a, a handful of Harris uh, you know current generation. Technology mm-hmm. that that we still use that, that we're still fielding, uh, at least at the conventional level, and um, you know it's all equipment that I used while I was in. So it, you know it, they had their hands on it. They you know you better believe that they're reverse engineering this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's we really need to dust off a lot of the old skills of you know uh, CEOI and how to do all of the, the old school physical encryption methods, the physical communication security methods in conjunction with all of the other skills that are required. And, um, you know, I, I'm bringing that back. I teach that and, and cover it in detail in the course. And, uh, you know, that along with improvised antenna construction, um, directional antenna construction, you know, the, the students each build, um, Uh, jungle antennas in class for omnidirectional they build yaggies in class using uh improvised materials i use a electric fence wire cobra heads uh pvc pipe just anything that that they could find in a hardware store farm supply store and um you know and and make your communications work under less Mm -hmm. than ideal circumstances and uh you know it's a heck of a fun class um you know i
0: i i I actually i i would like that that that, you know um i'm not an 18 echo and i i I respect the hell out of 18 echoes i mean their level of Of knowledge on comms is 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 very very high um but 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 i did get you know along the way uh some knowledge i guess um but i it just fascinates the shit out of me you know it is fucking magic to some degree um it's it's a very cool subject uh it certainly is. worth getting into. It really is. It's just it's just really cool.
1: Yeah, it you know, when I got when I got out of the army and being in Lurse, um, you know, we, we when I when I first got to uh the Lurse company that, that I was in, um, you know, we I was told by um one of the uh one of the teammates that was there it was like I mean we're you know we're gonna be doing a lot of radio stuff, and uh coming from the line, it was like, "Oh, okay, you know I'm gonna be working with a one nineteen and filling radios and he's like, no uh we-, we go way deeper than that, and um kind of getting the the hands on the introductory level stuff and then what gets taught in RSLIC or what used to got uh what used to be taught in RSLIC. um you know, I started thinking about. Uh, you know, when, when I got out of the army, how do I apply that knowledge to, um, the civilian side? You know, what's the civilian side equivalent to the capability that I had when I was in the army, because this stuff is very important. And, um, you know, this, this kind of journey that I took of, um, of learning, really fitting the equipment and figuring out what types of equipment exist that fill that capability and how to operate, um, you know, in, in the same manner in which I was accustomed to operating when I was in the army and in, uh, specifically when I was in LERS and, um, you know, sending products, how do you, uh, burst data out? How do you do all these things? And, um, you know, it, it, it was very fascinating to me then. And, um, you know, I started it out kind of as, as, a uh, a preparedness hobby, so to speak. And then it, you know, it, it kind of grew onto its own. I had a lot of people that were asking for classes, uh, when I, I started writing and I was writing just as a, a creative outlet. And then, you know, it, life events take place and, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of get called to, to, um, to get pointed in a direction. And, uh, I had such a high demand for class because this was something that really nobody else was covering. And the people that were doing it really weren't doing it in a, a, a way that was resonating. And so I just took, uh, the communications portion of, of a couple of different courses that I had went to, uh, over the, the, uh, you know, my relatively short career in, in the army and applied it to civilian equipment and, you know, made it relevant for people in, in a digestible way. And, uh, the results have, have been really good. Um, the response but, to the course has been, been really good.
0: I, I think, um, you know we are certainly very um enamored you know with the internet cell phones <laughs> uh, but guess what you know some of that stuff uh may not be available so now what are you going to do um exactly yeah you know, and, and, and this is why there is such a thing as an 18 echo right i mean you have a small team and you're out there wherever you are kind of by yourselves uh, there's 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 one One means to get, you know, support and such, you know, by phoning home. Uh, So, so, I mean, you have an entire MOS built around, you know, that that conduit. Um, You know, this is important stuff. You know, the communications is absolutely, you know, a must have, you know, just as necessary as 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 a as the medic, you know, 18 Delta or or what have you. Um, So it's a it's a it's a great subject uh it's common sense type stuff that you know if you want to think in terms of any kind of contingency uh for anything whatever scenario um it's just stuff you gotta know
1: yep yeah it's i mean it's it's a critical task you you know you see so many guys that are, uh, you know, they, they're doing all the firearms training, and I mean, I do that stuff too. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, small unit tactics, but then the the communications portion of it all kind of gets lost in translation, or or it just, you know, they, they say, okay, well, just give me a piece of equipment that suits all the needs that I think that I, that I'm gonna have. And that's pretty much it. And there's no, uh, very little consideration to operating technique or, you know, any, any of the other stuff that, that are critically important supporting tasks, you know, and, and this very rapidly becomes mission critical. I had, a um, one of the classes that I did out in Wyoming, I had a, a, um, uh, long since retired, uh, 18 Bravo, who had also mm. been an 18 echo at one point in mm. his career and uh, he had a very long career in, in SF and so it was a big honor to to have him there in class and and I've had a lot of uh, special operators that have been in class uh, you know some that that have been uh, active duty at the time and and uh, several that have have retired some that that haven't been too long uh, that have been out and and that's always a, a really big honor to me and a point of personal validation but um you know he he was talking about how uh, when we got to the directional communications portion of the class, he was talking about how you know that was so important and he really relayed it to everybody else that was there, like, look guys, you you have to understand that that what's being presented here was very real for us when mm-hmm. I was operating and he was operating at a um, uh, well, I'm not going to go too deep into to where he was um, but he was in many places, but when, when, uh, this area in, in particular, and they would build their directional antennas, burst out their transmission that they had already physically encrypted, physically encoded. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they were using a tape recorder at the time. So this kind of gives you an idea how old school it was. They were mm-hmm. using a tape recorder to speed up the transmission to burst right. it that right. fast mm-hmm. And they were transmitting it at night, you know, under their whoobies, under their ponchos, and they would go to their transmission site, you know, one kilometer away so that if they were direction found right. and they were going to receive, you know, incoming fire, that it wasn't going to kill everybody else right. on the team, yep. you know, and and it's little. I mean, things
0: and, like and so there's an OPSEC reason to do the direction directional antenna, you know, the lobes are, right. you know. It's harder to collect against, Um, uh, less probability that you'll be intercepted. Not necessarily a low probability intercept type signal, but um, uh, and and then just you heighten the chance if you're doing a long shot that, you know, you're going to have enough juice um, to get it from point A to point B if you're doing HF or something. Again, it's it's it really is fascinating stuff. Um, it, it's very challenging because it is is math oriented and technical. It's not, you know, hey, we're going to cut this antenna to this length just because oh, that looks good. No, it, there's a whole lot of science with all these. I think you mentioned in your in your handbook, you you, you have the formulas, right? You have, right. It, it, it's it's really cool stuff. it it's, and it's fun. You know it's, it''s fun stuff
1: it's to me it's it's one of the coolest feelings to watch a class light up when something that they built all of a sudden magically works um, you know when, when they they build their antennas and we test them we get them on the air and I always do this to every class I say you know after they build their their uh, first antenna and uh you know the best way for them to learn antenna theory is to build their antennas uh build them build them themselves and um i always i always do this to the class because you get that one guy that's in there and he's not very technically oriented and you can always kind of see you know on his face he's like i don't really know if this is going to work or not and so you know who has the least confidence in their equipment in here and you always get, you know, a couple of guys that they, you know, giggle a little bit and they might put their hand up. Yeah, maybe I, I don't really know if this thing's going to work. And I'm like, OK, we're going to use yours. We're putting yours up on the air first. And, you know, hook it up to an antenna analyzer, show them that it works, you know, that that, that it is properly built. Um, they, there's, you know, there, there's some math that goes into that. But I keep the technical stuff uh, mostly to a minimum. Unless you know I, I include it where it's relevant, but I keep a lot of it to the to a minimum, and uh, that way anybody can grasp the knowledge. You know, you understand the relevance first, and then we'll throw in the math. and um, but but watching them uh, watching a class develop along those lines and and watching that that uh, their personal validation, that's huge. Um, that's huge, and and you know you're 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 creating force multipliers at that point when you do that, uh, because now people have cap capability. They have confidence in their equipment. They have confidence in themselves and their skill. And you know you can throw equipment at a guy all day long, but if he doesn't have confidence and validation in his stuff, what good is it? You know, right. what what
0: good is any of it i, I um, mean, partic- particularly these days you there are so many features that are built in there's you know so many button button combinations or what have you uh but it will perform as it as it's intended to perform if if you do all these steps correctly and you know you get the right antenna and, you know all this stuff um it, 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 and the the one thing that's kind of good about that particular skill set, and you could say the same say with, eleven Bravo being a you know firing a rifle at some kind of distance with optics or whatever, you either hit or miss, right? You make the shot or you don't, um, and sometimes you only get one chance, like you were saying with your 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 story with the guy who go on the mountaintop sort of thing. Um, so it's critical. It's you know it, this is. This is attention to detail, so it's critical that you, you get it right, you know how to do it right, you're confident that when you do it, it's going to perform as intended. Uh, I, I, it It is, I would say, um, probably, you know, the the most interesting facet of, of you know, skills on a team. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I am not smart enough to be a, a, an 18 Delta medic. Hell no. Uh I'm probably barely smart enough to be an 18 Echo because of the, the level of detail that they get into. Um uh but I but I think it I think it definitely is is, is just uh you know it's critical for the well being of the team that you have a communicator or two communicators that can do their job well. It's got it's it it like you said, critical task. It's got to be done. Right.
1: Right. Uh, in, in, you know, I, I wish that there were more people that were covering it in a relevant, uh, relevant way, um, you know, it, because the, in the larger preparedness genre, there's a lot of hams, uh, amateur radio operators, a lot of hams. There's a lot of people that that kind of approach it from the, these directions that. Well, they're not wrong and I'm not being critical of them. You know, I'm, I'm an amateur radio operator too, but there's, there's some things that are lost in, in the relevance and they don't necessarily understand the, the uh, requirement for capability, you know, and I break that down in, in uh, three distinct categories um, with, you know, sustainment communications, which is kind of like a, you know, your, your uh, prepper, um, you know, creating communications, of, you know, disaster preparedness and, you know, sustainment level stuff, right? We, you know, it, things that, that maybe would, uh, act in place of a cell phone or conventional communications if, you know, something goes down. So like, you know, looking at Florida here in, in the next few days, something like that's going to be critical, um. Then there's tactical communications, and that has a whole other, you know, as as you know, that has a whole other uh, implication to it that is critically important. You know, tactical communications of of fire and maneuver on the ground, uh, you know, giving instruction from a, a, a command element down to its subordinate elements for immediate response at the tactical level. And then, of course, you have strategic or clandestine communications, which, um, you know, th- this is really getting into where HF comes in over long distances and your communications windows, because, you you know, you're, you're not, you know, you, you're dealing with assets that you have on the ground that are going to be operating over a long period of time. And so, you know, they may only come online online once every 24 hours, once every 72 hours. And, you know, th- th- it's, it's a whole other set of concerns there. And so I break it down into those three categories um, and, and really come at it from that angle. Uh, because, it, you know, as we talked about in the Council of Future Conflict, um, uh, not this last episode, but the one prior uh, that I, that I uh, was on, I'm in the middle of writing a book, on the, well, the first of three books, but the, this first one is dealing specifically with the Baofeng, but it's going into all of the, the local line of sight considerations that, that Mm -hmm. go with it and the antenna theory and, um, you know, everything that you can do with this thing that I think is going to be very surprising for a lot of folks. And it's, this book's a, a massive undertaking, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's steadily coming along. And then after that, I'm going to do one on HF specifically because that takes mm-hmm. its own set of, of, uh, requirements and it's, it's kind of its own HF is really its own animal that, that is a whole yep. other thing. Yep. And then signals intelligence from there, uh, you know, low level, uh, voice intercept ground mm-hmm. level voice intercept um, methods of exploitation and, and really coming at it from the, uh, the F3EA perspective. And, um, you know, I've, I've done podcasts in the past on that, but, uh, you know, putting it in writing, there was a book that, uh, I picked up while I was in the army and I, it's no longer in print because Paladin Press is has since went out of, uh, went out of business, mm-hmm. but it was called, uh, electronic guerrilla warfare by Lawrence Myers. And that book was very, very interesting to me because it was kind of all of the the ground level SIGINT stuff that, you know, that was really important in the 1980s. The the techniques in the book are still valid today and and, and are very good and very well written, um, but it needs an update with the equipment and, you know, exactly how you're going to do all this in, in, you know, 40 years since it was written um you know we we need to we need to bring that to the forefront and so you know i'm going to kind of put my own spin on it and uh you know that's 2023 is going to be a busy year for me uh so
0: well i'm hoping i'm hoping um uh possibly you you could collaborate with me a little bit on a next book um i'd love to there there you know i i do touch on some COMO type stuff and if you read the, my books as they currently you can be very critical uh, i did the best i could um but the next one that i have in my mind i'm actually kind of going back in time so like an 80s 90s time frame you're talking about and oh, again there's there's more of a strategic reason for that but whatever um um but i it'd be, You know, as I develop the general plot, like I said, I mean, there's there's more likely than not there will be some kind of clandestine person somewhere um, doing something as a singleton, right? Doing doing some kind of operational activity. Um, But but I'd like to be able to. um, You know, what is the communications with this guy? Right. There is no Internet. We're talking 1980, you know, early 90s, maybe, probably in the 80s time frame. There is no Internet. Uh, you know, so how do you get hold of this? You know, obviously, these things were done. This can be done. It's, it's not. But I'd like to write about that in some detail with some, with some credibility. And perhaps I can get some of your assistance, maybe, when I get there. I'd
1: love to. I'd love
0: to, uh, I definitely,
1: I, j- I would jump at the chance.
0: I've, I've done that sort of thing with a couple different, you know, sneeze. Uh, there's, there's a piece in the second book, when towers fall that talks about, uh, you know, Nord Stream pipelines, um, and in doing all the research. I mean, I kind of came to some of the conclusions myself, but there, there is an oil, uh, guy down in Texas that I met through Twitter. Uh, I won't say his name, but uh, he helped me out and he sent me a whole bunch of, you know, a great big bunch of PDF files, uh, you know, w- with all the information I could ever need on that very small, tiny subject. So I've done that or, you know, a couple other pieces in the book that are, that are of, the, of a very technical nature that I, that I could get uh, some, some hacking stuff as an example. Um, I think it's yeah in the last book. There's another person you know through the internet uh, through through Twitter that I knew yada yada and I and I asked her to. I said well this is what I've kind of come up with on the concept level and then this is the the first you know brush of you know writing it you know this is this is where it fits in yada yada and I had her review that and you know she got through it and basically said you know thumbs up you're you're spot on you're you're, you're current you're good. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I like to have that kind of detail in the books because I think it makes it interesting for a reader, uh, one, to believe that it's, that it's whatever I'm saying is possible, right? So it gives it some validity just as, just as a reader. Um, and then some of the readers actually will know they're like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's correct. And uh, maybe in the review, they'll say such and such, you know, and when they write a review. They'll make a comment about how technically correct, and I, you know it's just kind of some of the details I I like to be as accurate as I can. So that's where what I was thinking. One
1: hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, it, I'll I'll jump at that. Anything, anything that you need, uh, I, that's that's a big honor for me.
0: it just it just be a, you know one scene. You know, say the guy is in his hotel room or whatever and he's got to get his message out and i've got some kind of equipment in mind again old old school stuff
1: you know oh, yeah. old
0: old school spy stuff um uh which would fit nicely you know so it's it's not like it's a revelation of some great uh classified technique you know it's pretty fucking old stuff but it, you yeah. know the the average the average reader wouldn't know, you know, they'd be oh, that's, that's some high speed shit. Ooh, a Yagi antenna, you know, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, you yeah. know, and, and, and you're right. I mean, the, you know, the guerrilla warfare thing you mentioned, um, you know, RF is RF. I mean, that has not changed. I mean, you can, right. you know, some of the capabilities are, are, are different and that usually comes down to, you know, the encryption kind of piece. And, and maybe some some better antenna efficiencies yep. um but i mean the the, the broad broad you know a radio is a radio fucking cell phone right. is a radio
1: yep right oh <laughs> so, we and, and we have we have mastered the exploitation of cell phones i mean that's you know it, it, it but yeah, it, and that's something that I I point out to people when they they talk a lot about encryption and stuff and uh, com, different comsec considerations. And it's like, yeah, that's that's important, but your RF emission is just as important to understand mm-hmm. that that your RF emission itself. Uh, okay, so let's say I intercept a signal on the ground, and it's you know it's it's in the UHF range. Right. So, you know, uh, 300 to 3000 megahertz. So let's say uh, practical terms, I, I intercept a, a, a UHF signal on the ground in uh, the 460 megahertz range. So I know that that's FRS, GMRS, and it's it's using some sort of digital encoding. All right. So I know a couple of things at that point. One, the guy's probably pretty close to me because if I'm out in a a working environment, I'm picking him up on the ground. He's got, you know, maybe we'll say two miles, three miles at the max that he's transmitting, right? How strong am I picking him up, right? And so that now begins the exploitation end of it. Now that, you know, observe, orient, decide, act, my OODA loop. Um, I don't know what he's saying and maybe at the tactical level I don't have the asset with me uh, necessary to exploit that or then again maybe that I do but I don't I don't have the time to try and put all this together and figure out that he's telling a guy to flank on me what I can do is get a line of bearing to him. And now I know where he is transmitting from and I can begin to put together a point of origin on him and geolocate his, R, the the uh, RF signal that he's putting out. That's what's more important, you know? And, and so all these guys get wrapped around the axle about, you know, tactical level comms and you got to have this type of encryption and that and the other. And it's like, uh, those, those are important considerations for sure but the the amount of trigger time you have on the microphone Mm -hmm. which correlates you know the amount of rf exposure you're putting yourself out there i mean you're you know you're basically lighting a, a, a light bulb in a dark room those are all very critical considerations that that i don't think people make because a lot of the um i'm guilty of this too the the um you know the the GWAT Army thinking is is very guilty of this. Um, you have people that just get on the air with with their radios. I, I was guilty of this in the Army, as were we all. You just get on the air and just talk, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know, there's structure to what we say, but there's very little um, they, there's there's comsec consideration, communication security or comsec consideration to. Um, what we're saying and and how we're encoding it, but there is little comsec consideration given to uh what you know the length of what we're sending out, and that is a problem that is is constantly a problem, and we're having to relearn that lesson they're they're relearning that right now in Ukraine um, and, and have been now for, for a significant amount of time. And so, um, you know, a lot of guys that get into the, the tactical end of the training world and everything, they, they want to emulate what they've, you know, they've seen elsewhere. They want to be the, you know, looking like the cover of soldier of fortune magazine or something, you know, wearing all the gear putting on, you know, like two or three radios on their rig. And yeah, it's like, okay. You, you're you're losing some relevance there when you're doing that because what's that guy's purpose that's on the cover of soldier of fortune more more than likely it's you know he he's uh he he's either you know using one radio to to coordinate air assets and one to coordinate ground uh with you know which is what we use them for that that was why we had dual radio setups so you don't get confused but also it's important to understand that we had electronic spectrum dominance. We, we weren't fighting a peered adversary in Afghanistan mm-hmm. or Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, and if you're training for purpose here in the States, um, you know, where, where there may be a peered adversary on the ground. And now all of a sudden you're in the role of the Taliban or you're in the role of, of an insurgent, possibly, you know, possibly speaking hypothetically here, It's a Mm -hmm. whole litany of other considerations that you got to make, um, you know, because now the other side, your opposition has all of those electronic warfare assets that, you know, we, we know about and, and you don't, you know, so it's, yeah, it's something that again, we, we could, man, coming up on two hours, we could do a whole other, uh, whole other podcast on that,
0: but Wow. <laughs> well, wow. there's, there's a lot of stuff I'm telling you. There um, it is. Um and there's there's a lot of uh uh you know, intersect um overlay of you know the topic area that I've covered in books versus what you're you know practically doing, uh you know uh, in in practical means. Um so I think generally speaking the the folks that listen to your podcast uh probably uh would 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 be interested in 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 these books and I I think you would in particular. Um, oh, yeah. Like That's. I said they're very technical and some people they blanch at that like oh my god you know what's the what why is this necessary uh you know that sort of thing um but I I think I think you'd enjoy uh both the, the strategic policy kind of level stuff and, and then you get into some of the very not necessarily tactical but you know the very minutiae of of some of the planning and the details that go into each of each of the operations um so
1: looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it it has been a huge honor to have you on the air for two hours and two hours <laughs> have flown by like it's like yeah. it's nothing yeah. uh it's oh man, it's a big Except honor.
0: Probably could go for another two. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, hundred
1: percent, a hundred percent. You know,
0: I, I I can tell you what we could do is you could get the first book and read it, um, and then we could have another discussion and do the same kind of thing. Yes. We're, we, you we know, we kind of go back and forth, you know, current affairs, you know how's the book fit in and, and, and that sort of thing. We could, we could go through each book if you like.
1: I'd love to, I would love to, you know, the Warlock series folks get it, get it, get it it. and, and read it, digest it and understand what it's going to take to, you know, at, at the, the geopolitical level at all levels you know, it's not just about making America great again domestically. It's about bringing us back to being the world leaders, world leaders for good. Sir, thank you for being on. Certainly. Yeah,
0: it is. It's it, it's about uh, this, this is what it's going to take to win. And if I could, um, I would direct people, uh, I'd say, first to my website, which I just started. So don't laugh at me. It's, it's pretty fucking Rudy Poo, I know. But uh, all one word, authormikebennett.com. So A-U-T-H-O-R, authormikebennett.com. And, and that'll get you to, there. if you're just doing digital thing, there's Kobo, you know, with its format, which is a little less pro- 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 proprietary, I think, than Kindle. So if you just want the digital books, you can get through that. Uh, so there's one page that specifically is is for the books, and then there's also, you know, a portal through my website for the Amazon stuff. So you can get Kindle and paperbacks through the Amazon uh, means. And any of any of the folks that are interested in buying direct from me, if you want signed books, there's a means to do that there also on that on that uh, page of the website. So. Uh, uh I also am doing a blog on the side because I'm doing some travel uh out west to uh British Columbia for the for the winter I'm doing my survival thing uh living in an airstream in the winter in Canada um so th- th- in the blog I I cover quite a few of those little adventure exploit type things and then I I also have little bits where I explain certain things in the books like, you know, a particular account, uh, character, that sort of thing. So it's all there. Go to that website, author Mike Mike Bennett, um, a B-E-N-N-E-T-T, two N's, two T's. And, and that's where it's all at.
1: Amen, brother. Amen. We'd definitely be sending a lot of traffic over your way. God bless you. What? And For sure. everybody else out there to this audience, I hope that you got a lot out of this interview. Uh, I know I certainly did. Keep your head on a swivel, continue training, continue preparing. God bless you. And we'll be back on the air very, very soon. This is NC scout out.